we'll get into the question for this week. Um, like I said, we're not going to do testimony today. Um, we're dealing with this, this question of the past again. Uh, again, it's been so interesting to notice how many people have reacted to this. There are so many people who are stuck in the past. There are things in their past that hurt them, that weigh them down, that put them in pause. When we should be moving forward, they are in pause. And that's why I think, I think a lot of people react to this. Even the person I talked to yesterday, so it was an old student of mine. He's a good guy. I love him. He actually, I taught him. But he went through a lot of issues in his life. I mean, I guess he even posted it yesterday, but he, he had a kid out of wedlock. So he had a kid at 16 years old. And so he was saying yesterday, you know, when you have something like that happen in your life, everybody looks at you like less than a human being. Everyone looked at him. He said he, he was ostracized from every community. No one wanted to talk to him. Even when he, the church he's at right now, the first thing he asked the pastor is, I have a kid and I don't have a wife. Will y'all accept me? And the, that was the first thing he thought because guess what? Everywhere he goes, no one wants to accept him. Our past keeps us stuck. Can y'all agree with me? And when I think about this, you know, when I think about the scriptures, Jesus said, I came that they would have life and life to the full. John 10 verses 10. But when I look at people, so many people are almost dead when they're alive. I look at them and they're slouched. There's no life inside of them. And I think a big part of that is something is messed up with this infrastructure. Something is messed up with the processing, which is why we can't live fully. Jesus says, I'm offering you a full life. Yet we don't live a full life because something's wrong there. You know, I was, it's so ironic. This week, uh, I was listening to a podcast. Anderson Cooper, do you all know who Anderson Cooper is? He's a reporter for CNN. Anderson Cooper was talking about his dad died a long time ago. His brother committed suicide. And in both situations, he never properly grieved. So he's doing a podcast right now, and he was talking about grieving. And he said, when, he said, help me learn how to grieve. So he asked people to send him. So they sent him 45 hours of voicemails of people saying, I've gone through this. And almost as he was listening to people's voicemails, it was unlocking things about himself. It was allowing him to grieve through his dad's death and his brother's death. And as I was listening to the podcast, a few things really stuck out to me. The first thing he said is, dealing with your past lets you be more, more fully aware of the present. We like push our past down. And they said this, when you numb yourself to certain parts of life, you numb yourself to the present. He said, when you learn to deal with things that you have pushed down, you are numb to, to the reality of now. He said, I can feel more joy now because I dealt with some things in my past. You can't live fully till you deal with your past. I'm beginning today just encouraging you, right? Like our past is important. You have to understand that if you're not living fully in the life that God has for you, there's probably something wrong in the infrastructure and you have to spend some time there. So I want to encourage you as we're getting into the question, recognize the importance of the past. 
Your past is a part of your life. You know, they said this quote in there that I really like. Like dealing with water, like jet skiing. When you're jet skiing, speed is important. Can you agree with me? The faster you go, you can jet ski. But the deeper you want to go in the water, guess what you have to do? You have to slow down. And for many of us, it's we just go, 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 go. Like, you know, he would, Anderson Cooper was saying, it's like he was a porter. Like, he just had to keep moving when his brother died. You just have to keep going. Like, we just fill ourselves so we don't have to deal with it. I don't want to deal with those things. But this is, I think this is biblical work. I think this is, this is Christian work for you to slow yourself down in God's presence and deal with some things of your past. Wait with God. So I asked the question, which leads us into where I'm going today for the sermon. Why is it important to deal with your past? Why does it matter? Why does it matter that we deal with our past? So we're reading Luke chapter 15, verses 25. And we're answering the question this Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 34. And we're answering the question is, why does it matter if we deal with our past? And so it says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. But why does he pick those things? That like seems extreme. Hate your father and mother. Like, come on, man. Like, those are the, those are the people who gave you life. He's not saying, go to your parents and say, I hate you now. I think he's saying, if there was ever a contrast between your parents or God, who would you choose? And I think God is saying, you have to be even willing to forsake maybe a better word. Could you forsake your parents for the sake of the kingdom? And that's not, you know, even in other texts, he says, you know, like to the Pharisees, he says, y'all do all of these good things and y'all don't even take care of your parents. But I think what he's saying is if your parents are pushing you away from me, you might have to forsake them. In addition to that, I think what he's saying is, can you forsake the things that you care about for me? That's the essence of it. Are you prioritizing you and the things you want, or are you prioritizing God? And to be a disciple of Jesus, you give up the things you want for the thing God's, God wants. We lack this today as a generation. No one wants to speak about this. Imagine you speak this in a mega church. You know, I was listening to a preacher yesterday say, like, you know, <laughs> I was listening to a preacher yesterday saying, like, I wish you could live however you wanted, you know, in regards to like homosexuality and trans. And it was interesting to me because when you sign up to be a Christian, you give up what you want. You are giving up what you want for what God wants. This is what it means to be a disciple. But you know why people don't preach that? Who wants to join that church? Who wants to join a church where people say, you don't get to choose what you want anymore. I am your desire, or I am your focus, and I get to choose what you want. That's hard. Can you agree with me? So the first thing I recognize in this chapter is, that to be a disciple of Jesus is not easy. We continue on to verse 28. So what does it say? Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. 
Once you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough to complete it, for if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. So now we get into some random example of building. What does this have to do with anything? When you think about architecture and building, you think how much preparation goes into it. A big part of this when Jesus was saying this is, you think like when you're building something big, you have to think about what's included in that. You have to think about the finances that are included that, with that. <clears throat> you have to think about the manpower. You have to think about the blueprints. Preparation is required for that. And so when Jesus is using this example, I think what he's telling the people is, you have to look at your life and say, am I willing to give everything required to sign up for this? Can I give up of myself? Because, you know, that's what he wants. He wants everything. He doesn't want some of you. He doesn't want three-fourths of you. He wants all of you. And you have a responsibility to look and say, can I give of myself fully? You have to sit down and see. Imagine an architect comes up to you and he has one sheet of paper and he says, this is my plans for you. And on that sheet of paper, it has the budget. It has, oh, all the supplies on one sheet of paper. You would say, I'm not hiring you. You want someone who's thorough, who's thought through what they're going to do so that you don't have hiccups along the way. And Jesus is looking at the people, you know, at the, be the beginning of the chapter, he told them, he looked back at the crowds that were following him. You know, in many ways, when, when I read that, I think Jesus is saying, I don't need everyone to follow me. Today, we want to make things easier so everyone follows. And Jesus looks back and says, Jesus looks back and says, hey, if you're not ready to sign up with what, what is re required of you, this may not be for you. You know, I was listening this week to uh, a lady sharing. You know, she said, the Holy Spirit came as a tongues of fire on the day of Pentecost. You know, for Jesus, it came, the image of the Holy Spirit was a dove, but for the disciples, it was a tongues of fire. You know, and she was explaining, why did it come as a dove versus fire? And she said, for the disciples, you know, the tongue, the tongues of fire, fire is meant to burn up what's not needed. In each of us, there are things that are not needed that God needs us to get rid of. And so I want to encourage you today as we're looking at this text. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, he wants all of you. He doesn't want some of you. He wants all of you. And that requires planning and preparation. And so I had some areas that we could look at to consider what are areas that he wants of me that maybe I could keep for myself. You know, I picked a few here, but my encouragement for you today is take out a sheet of paper and write down a list of things that God wants of you. You have to come to terms with what he's calling of you. And if you don't, you will live a mediocre Christian life. You'll keep doing what you've always done. But if you take it serious enough to sit down and plan like he encouraged, I think you'll walk more purposefully and you'll see if you're able to live it. So let me give you a few things that I think are included in this. The first thing I want to say is that he wants for you to give of your money. 
He wants to be the Lord of your money. In Matthew chapter 5, it says, you can't serve both God and money. Very really, we see that God wants to be the God of your money. And for many people today, that's hard. So as you sign up for Christian life, you have to recognize He wants that area. You know, as, as easy as it is for us to, con to want more and to push ourselves up, He wants to be the Lord of your finances. He's going to talk about our time. You know, God wants to be the God of your time. It says in Matthew, again, chapter 5, 6, and 7, we're covering that a lot in what he wants of us. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. God wants to be the priority of your time. But for many of us, we have such a poor concept of how we handle our time. Time is just this thing that we waste. We can waste it on our phone. We can waste it doing nonsense. And God says, I want to be the God of your time. And I have a few more here. You know, it says, God wants to be the God that you hunger and thirst for. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. When you sign up to be a Christian, these are all different parts of what you're signing up for. And so you might be asking, what does this have to do with my past? I want to encourage you before I get into that question, realize when you sign up for this, you're signing up for something difficult, something that requires all of you. And I want to encourage you, if you don't understand your past, you understand all of these things that I've even mentioned, just the three few things that I've just mentioned, your time, your money, and your hunger for God, are all affected by your past, right? So if you don't come to terms with your past, you can't give of yourself fully to God. Think about it. You know, I know a lot of people who have insecurity with money. You know, they are not able to love God fully in their money because there was a time in their life where they had a scarcity. And they wondered, man, will things work out? And so because of that, that insecurity has made them latch on to money like a leech. You know, I, I had this um, acquaintance of mine, someone that I knew in my community. He was in his 80s. And he probably had, you know, they, he, was, he had enough money, probably 400000 500000 in the bank, more than enough to live. And I remember even, you know, as we were talking, it's just he pinches every penny. When the second he leaves the room he wants to turn the lights off and you know the best gift you can give to him is money and i wonder you know even in terms of him giving he never wants to give a dime and i don't blame him there was a time in his 30s and 40s with his family where he didn't have enough and because of it he pinches and holds on to everything as though it's going to be gone and so this is what i'm talking about this thing of his past because he didn't work through impedes his present, impedes his hunger towards God and his willingness to live for God. And so I want to encourage you, if you don't overcome the things of your past, especially in dealing with money, you can't give of yourself fully to God. You know, in talking about time, you know, growing up in an Indian community, education was pushed on us. Spend time studying, study, 
spend time doing notes, spend time reviewing over and over. The priority of our time was spent for ourselves and our future, right? So our past was fully about us. And the second we graduate, we get a job and establish ourselves, and now we have free time, what do we do? All we do is spend time for ourselves because our entire youth and our entire childhood was about me. So what do you expect your future will be? What do you expect your present will be? It will only be about me because in the past, all you ever did was spend time with you. Every area of your life that God wants, every area, something, if you're not able to give it, many times there was something in the past that impedes it. I'll give you more examples. You know, I talked about hungering for God, being zealous and wanting more of God. You know why I think many don't do it? In the churches they grew up in, it was normal and okay to be apathetic towards God. So guess what? You have created and cultivated an apathy towards God. That's okay. That was your childhood. But you have to overcome your past to say, that wasn't okay. I can't live a Christian life like that and expect God to be pleased. That may be my past, but I need to rewrite my past and work through that so my present and future can be better. We have a responsibility today to work through ourselves and our past. You know, even I'll give you one more example. You know, you know, the way that we relate with other people, you know, God says, I want you in Philippians chapter two, he says, have the same mindset as Christ, who being in the very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Yet he made himself nothing. So we see God wants you in your relationship with other people to humble yourself. And for many people today, that is so hard. And it's hard because there was some time or some moment in the past. I see so many people who react so strongly and vehemently and they're ready to attack somebody else because there was a hurt that happened to them somewhere where they said, no one will ever hurt me like that again. And because of that, they fight back. They're like these, this, they have their fangs ready to go because of a past hurt. And you realize if you're signing up to serve God, you have to work through that and say that hurt that you went through, that you feel like no one should have to go through and that seems so unfair, when you sign up, you say, I have to work through that so I can offer myself fully to God. None of this is easy and none of this is fair. It's not fair what we've had to go through. But when we sign up to be a servant of God and to follow Jesus and to be his disciple, what we're saying is, uh, just like that architect sat down and thought through what it's going to take, you have to sit down and think through what it's going to take. And so I want to encourage that this week. This week, get sit down with a sheet of paper and make a list of what God needs of you. You know, he says he wants your money. He wants to be the God of, he wants to be the God of your time. He wants to be the God of how you love him. He wants you to be the, he wants to be the God of your relationships. And if in any of these things, it is hard for you to overcome. Check back in your past. 
you have to take an inventory of your past so you get an idea if you're able to live into what he's calling of you. And here's the beautiful thing. As you do it, especially through the most difficult things that you go have gone through, as you work through it, the byproduct at the end is a, a more image of Christ that when people see you, they will not understand it. When you work through your insecurity of money and you're able to be generous, people will say, didn't you have a scarcity? How are you so generous? When you're able to love someone, even though you've been hurt, people look at you and say, how can you do that? And you'll say, it's only because of God and what he allowed me and what he gave me the grace to work through. I'll give you an example of this. This is my life and I share things from my life because I feel like the more you see, this is real. This is our life is our greatest testimony. And this week, you know, um, one of my students was talking to me and, you know, one of my coworkers who's next to me in the hallway, he's been out the last two weeks for paternity leave. They just had a child. And the student was joking because, you know, that, that teacher is a little bit more real. He can be a little bit, uh, he's not as happy maybe as I am all the time. And he, this student particularly liked it because it's like we balance each other out. I'm super happy on one side of the hall and he's super serious and maybe a little bit more frowny at times. He's a really nice guy, but it's just the joke that we have. And so the student was joking with me in class and he was telling me, Mr. Thomas, you're too happy all the time. Why are you like that? You need to be a little bit more sad. <laughs> and it made me laugh because... And, you know, it was interesting because it started a conversation. He asked me, why are you like that? Why do you do that? And I started thinking for myself, why? Why do I act so joyful? Why do I have so much, I don't know, happiness in my life? And I thought to myself, you know, when I was in my 20s and thinking about a career for myself, I really, I had a lot of hurt because I remember thinking it was kind of a, a period of like uncertainty about life. Like, what is the meaning of life? And I remember thinking, what is the point of this human existence? We're here. Hopefully we get to live to 80 to have a really nice family. And hopefully we have all of the joys of life and then we're gone. And that was really heavy for me. It was almost like meaningless. Life was meaningless. And in that time, I came face to face with God. I said, if life is ever going to have meaning, I really do believe it's found in God. And in that moment, I found joy. I found that the way that he's called us to live is so different. And so I signed up for it. And so you see, I had this situation, this thing that weighed me down in my life that I worked through. And in working through it, I lived differently. People see a joy in me and they wonder, why don't you ever get sad? And I obviously get sad. Things stress me out. I have my hurts and my pains. But somehow God it gives me grace to overcome. And so I just want to encourage you, as you sit down and look at what God is calling of you, work through it. You're going to have to work through your past to recognize. And so I give you that homework assignment. Sit down with a sheet of paper, write, and write what God is calling. And if there's an area that you're not able to give, check into your past to see why am I not able to give this? 
And many times you'll see there was something in the journey that may have stopped you. So I end with where I began. You know, we, we began with the question, why does my past matter? You know, what he's calling of you is difficult. What he's calling of you requires everything. And like the architect, if you don't take inventory of what's there, you won't be fully able to live it out. You won't. You won't be fully able to live it out unless you look and see yourself. So this week, spend time with God and say, God, this is who I am. This is where I lack. Help me. Help me to work through this. And you know, God is so kind and generous that he will give you the grace. And my prayer is this, as you do this, as you work through it, you become more and more an image of Christ. People stop seeing you and people start seeing Christ more in you. So this is important. And the difficulty is if you don't do this, just like the architect, what does it say? It says you will build a foundation and you won't be able to build up because you won't have the supplies needed. You know, many people today look at Christians and say, that's what a Christian is. They act just like the people of this world. And we almost embarrass God. And I don't think God is ever really embarrassed. But I think we put to shame what we need to be standing for. And I think it's because we didn't take the responsibility to see what was required of us. And if we had the inventory to live into that. And so I want to encourage you with this week. This question is an important question and this work is important work. Look in your life, slow yourself down and see, am I able to live into everything God is calling of me? And if there's something in my past that's stopping it, pray to God, God, give me the grace to work through it. And as I said, I'll, as we always say, our prayer is that as you do this, People stop seeing you and they start seeing the Christ in you. So as always, thank you guys for being with us and listening. My prayer is that if you have any prayer requests or if you have anything you need, feel free to reach out to us. We would always love to pray for you and to support you in your process of looking more and more like Christ. Thank you so much, guys. And let's end with a word of prayer.